Listeners and welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we rewatch Stargate. And we're back after like a month or so where stuff happened in my life and I couldn't record a podcast. But I'm back now, just in time to get to for us to be past all the little like one episode uh, planets of the week that we had for a bit there, and back into like lore, main plot. It's it's, it's like back into like an episode where shit is established and happens a bunch. Uh, which is exciting. So, uh, hi, this is Jeff Takes. I said that. I, <laughs> I'm Simon, and we have today with us, we have Eric. Howdy. We have M. Hello. And Jimmy Dean. Hello. Hi. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't, I, I'm not gonna get into everything that happened in my life or, or since I've been gone. It's fine. I'm back now. I just think it's funny that, uh, like we, we, we left you hanging at, at this specific spot because, uh, like, yeah, this is Thor's Chariot, season two, episode six, <laughs> an episode where, like, we're introduced, we see the Asgard for the first time. And also we meet Heru Ur, which is, who's gonna be like, the number two most important goal for like the first four seasons of the show. He first appears in this. Uh, so very exciting stuff right now. And it's also like a sequel to a favorite season one episode where we get to revisit a planet from season one. And we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, <clears throat> so let's get into it, I guess. Uh, we start. We start in a scene where uh, Carter explains a plan that she has to, I don't know, scan, I guess, a corridor of space, which is like the direction that Apophis's attack came from at the beginning of the season. And she's like, she, she wants to do a seeker project, which is, I don't know, she, she, I guess, I guess like put up a radar or something over there to get a warning if another gold ship is coming towards Earth. Uh, don't, don't get too attached to this plan though, because this is the last time we ever hear about it. <laughs> um, yeah. That, it, it's weird. It, it, it feels like they were trying to like set up some kind of arc with this scene, but then nothing came of it. So it, it, it's 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 kind of just like an orphaned plot right there uh, that they never get back to. Uh, anyway, <laughs> she's uh, immediately interrupted by by uh, the Stargate activating from off world, uh, and like we have the the big. Uh, well, first of all, before the day, the gate has even dialed, they've they've determined that it's not an SG team because no code is coming through, which is weird because like you you you'd think the gate would need to be open for them to know that. Uh, but I guess like no no one is off world anyway, so that's how they know that. Um, so they have all their like guards show up with guns in the gate room, and the iris is closed and everything. And like the only thing that happens is they hear they hear a thunk on the iris, and then the stargate shuts off. So. Uh, 
hopefully no one was there. Uh, oh, yeah, they, they confirmed that right away the next scene. Uh, the first thing Carter says is there was no organic residue, so uh, nobody went splat on the, on the iris, which is good I'm news. I'm not exactly uh, sure how they could determine that. Yeah, I don't know, right? You would like, think... you go through the gink, you're just produced to base atoms, so it's just going to be, uh-huh. like, carbon and whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, they know because like, they only detected atoms, they didn't detect any atoms. Oh, that, yeah. It's very nice, very good. Uh, <laughs> no, they they did detect iridium, which is, uh, I hope that's an element, I haven't looked it up, it sounds like one, uh, because we're just speaking of atoms. Uh, it's a radioactive uh, element, which, uh, like, yeah, so, they immediately, like, like light bulb over their head that they put iridium in that box with the naked people that they gave to the people of Samaria last season uh, when they showed up like they, they, they made like a welcome box for friendly aliens uh, I guess they put radioactive stuff in there so that if someone were to toss it towards earth and exactly this thing would happen it would be destroyed and also leave a radioactive signature that would let them identify what just came through, which seems impractical. But I guess, I guess, like they didn't want to leave like an electronic remote control to people from a pre-industrial society on a planet that they might not know how to operate. So just toss this box if you need us uh, is the alternative. But it seems like a waste of a nice box that they made to to show the Asgard what 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 humans are. Uh, not that they really need it anyway, because as we know, they already know about humans, because humans are everywhere. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the box was a real thing from real life that, you're, that, that right. was designed to be sent to in te- yes. potential intelligent life. That's right. Uh, that's a, the, yeah, that's a real thing. I guess it was more like Earth, Earth information specifically. Here's here's all the the, the, the Earth stuff that's relevant to the present day that you might not know about. Uh, anyway, the Asgard are never going to see what was in that box because it just got atomized and vaporized uh, <laughs> on Earth's iris and left just a, a fine mist of, of radioactivity uh, behind it. Uh, yeah, so th- that's how they know that it was... Um, uh, it was the Sumerians that that uh, that sent this box, and they got they were like they go like well, they dialed Earth, which I guess like they also left the coordinates to dial Earth on that box. That's how they knew where to dial to send it. Uh, uh, yeah, so they they still weird that they just straight up named a planet after the place Conan's from. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned that last season. It's still that. Uh, it's the last time we'll get to mention it, though, because it's the last time we're going to see it's, this planet in this episode. It's uh, better than I naming mean, Power yeah. Rangers did it too. It's better than naming a planet a number. <laughs> All right, that's the laziest and dumbest way to name a yeah. planet. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact is that yeah, SDC didn't name the planet. That was the planet's name, but that's what the people who live here called it. This yeah, that's right. So it's this like pure cosmic coincidence in universe uh-huh. that yeah, Tilk is the one who told them that that was the planet's name. So they they've never put a number to it on that one. Uh, but it's it's real arbitrary. Usually, which numbers get a name and which get a number. Usually, it's just like someone uh, from that planet drops the name in conversation one th- one time in the episode, and that's how we know what it's called. Um, anyway, yeah. 
Samaria, still, still, still the Conan the Barbarian planet, still the Viking planet from last time where there's Asgard and stuff, or there's no Asgard, but there's Asgard stuff. Uh, so it, anyway, it is, big, it is vaguely impressive with how much they actually managed to accomplish in this episode, despite just being random Viking people. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they 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 sent this box and they like they have a little like conversation about well, is it is it safe to dial them to to call them back? Because as you all know, of course, because you, because you watched that other episode from a year ago, uh, we had they had that Thor's hammer and we had to break it because we had to save Tilk in that cave. So maybe they're angry at us and they want to fight us now. Uh, but then they go, yeah, but also they were like friendly people over there, so it's it's dumb to assume that anyway. We left on good terms. Uh, plus, it doesn't harm. It does no harm to just dial that planet and check it out. So they do that, uh, and we get uh, footage uh, from the mouth that they sent to the planet. And first thing we see is a dead Jaffa. We see uh, not Thor's hammer itself, but the pillar that teleports people to the cave where Thor's hammer is is completely shattered now, which means uh, nothing is protecting that planet from the. Well, nothing is specifically protecting that planet from Gould coming through to the Stargate or Jaffa. Uh, but, you know, uh, you might think that considering the Gould have spaceships that can bombard from orbit, that's they could just blow it up that way. That doesn't seem too hard, which is presumably exactly the what they did. The not, you know, consistent in what tactics they're going to try on a planet. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. If they were well, going this to is... invade this one like they did Earth, they, they'd already have... Yeah. But this is like an agrarian planet. It's there's no big industry there. There's no big. Well, I don't. We don't know if there's big cities. If there are, we don't see them. Um, also, this is a new gold we haven't seen before. So maybe he uses different tactics from Apophis. Uh, but yeah, uh, Hero's uh, strategy in this one seems to be uh, shoot that pillar from orbit. Uh, and then boots on the ground through the Stargate and just, like, invade the place and take it over and then build pyramids for my ships to land on. And that's 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 what he does so in this one. when the hammer was active, was it stopping them from doing that? It, they they mentioned a little bit later that like, the Gould would, like, periodically dial that planet and send, like, a Jaffa through and see if they come back to, to, to just check it out. But considering the pillar was still intact, that Jaffa would have just gotten teleported into the cave and be stuck there anyway. So it's not like it would have changed anything. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's, that's like my wonder. It's like, why didn't they at any point just go and orbit, bomb it from orbit any time beforehand? Right, yeah, that's the other thing is, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't worth it, I guess. Uh, no one knows anything like uh, so this this super clashes with what we're gonna know about the asgard and the ghoul later because we know that when the asgard protects a planet they have a treaty with the ghoul and like they sign a piece of paper that says don't go there because we protect this place so like it would it would be an official thing uh <laughs> anyway but uh like if the Sorry, if the um, yeah, so I, I don't know why they haven't done that before. I guess the, their assumption is that there's an Asgard ship like w keeping watch on this planet that would blow their ships up if they tried to go there. Uh, but like, and also I don't even know why they like we don't 
ever get to know if that planet has like Nagrada deposits or anything that the gold would want to mine, or if they just want like the territory or to to have the people there as slaves. But considering that apparently Herod murders half of the population of this planet in this episode, uh, maybe that's not what they what he wants either. Uh, it's it's unclear. <laughs> they're just bad guys and they want this planet and they're gonna do it. And it turns out that Herod like called the, the Asgard's bluff in this episode and just went you know i'm gonna send my ship over there and blow up their thing and then like go there and they're not gonna stop me because oh well we'll we'll get to it later in this season but with apophis on the run basically like he's not in favor with the rest of the system lords right now which creates a, a kind of a power vacuum which might be what makes her like go forward like this and try to invade this planet um None of this is mentioned in this episode. It's just, it's just okay. speculation they, as to his motives. I guess he's, they still don't know that Apophis is alive, and that no, they don't. Is- uh, yeah, as as far as as Earth is concerned, and maybe the System Lords, unclear. Uh, everyone thinks Apophis is dead right now, uh, but even though we know he's not. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so we see the footage, uh, dead Jaffa, we get a close-up on, like, a Jaffa's forehead, and we get a new forehead tattoo there that looks like a bird of some kind. Um, so we and then, see yeah, how much trouble the SPC has tra- killing, ja- killing Jaffa sometimes. And, <laughs> you know, they, they killed, this, the Chimerians killed this guy with a sword. Oh yeah, they, they they got him. And like a lot of Jaffa die in this episode, to be fair. Like SG one goes there and shoots a whole bunch of oh, them. Yeah. Uh they're 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 real like stormtrooper cannon fodder in this yeah, they're one. They're pretty stormtroopery today, but Yep. You, yep. You should, usually they're usually most effective against the broad against your your not modern peoples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's right. Uh, but Gerwin, I guess, is just such a badass that she managed to kill whatever Jaffa were next to the Stargate and send that box through. And I guess everyone else that was with her died because there's a bunch of corpses around. Uh, but yeah, they see her on the on the footage. I, I think she's cradling like that. That might be her husband that she mentioned last time, but that he's dead now because she's like cradling his head. I don't know, and she's crying. Uh, they say to turn up the gain on the mic to hear what he, she's saying, which is some real funny. Uh, audio babble i guess to 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 hear her just yeah um anyway yeah they hear her her cries and say she just says please come and help us the Ettons have come which we remember that's what they call the gould uh, which we could have figured from context clues to be fair didn't need her to explain that to us but we got it uh, yeah, I, I did not remember it and i was hoping we would see giants <laughs> sorry we see we see like Giants, in a way, giants of 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 character, of stature, of importance. Uh, Gould think they're giants. You're, that, you're really stretching the definition oh, I of really giant am. there. Super am. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, you know, this show would not steal from actual Norse mythology. It's too busy stealing from Starcraft. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. We'll get to that. Uh, stealing, stealing from Starcraft with a very short turnaround time because, like, yeah, this this episode aired four months after the release of Starcraft. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's a shot like the the almost the last shot of this episode is looks exactly like a Starcraft cinematic, and which is funny. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, we get back from the opening theme, uh, and yeah, hey, there, there's more. Actually, uh, if we're going, if they're going to do this whole thing, we're going to call the Gavul and such, at refer to them as like turf for giants. 
They should mm-hmm. all, every single, every single actor they get for a Kifah should be at least as big as Christopher Judge. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, they I should. Don't know if there uh, they're not going to be. guys in Vancouver, but. Uh huh. No, yeah. Uh, we're going to see, like, the, there's one particular Jafar near the end of this episode who uh, strikes me as not as physically imposing as Christopher Judge. We'll get to it. Um, anyway, What do yeah. you do then? You're filming in Vancouver. You just put a casting call out for every bouncer at every nightclub in the city? Right. <laughs> well, we'll also get to that because Heru er, sure looks like the type to be a bouncer at a nightclub. I, I've like I've described him as such. He looks like a bouncer at a fancy nightclub with his like hoop earrings and his goatee and his bald head and everything. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, we we get back to the briefing room for a little bit more hand wringing about if we should go there to help them uh, and like. They, they, they kind of have to make their case to Hammond for some reason, because Hammond is worried that they're going to go there and it's like a war zone there and it's dangerous and they might die, which is fair. Uh, but like, he, he, like, he's, he says that he's playing devil's advocate specifically and he says, well, you know, uh, the Asgard don't like us because we, because we broke their shit and these people themselves have swords. So, uh, is it really worth it for us to go and save their asses? Uh, and then like, SG-1 basically appeals to to their guilt in what happened to that planet. Uh, even though, anyway, he, well, uh, mind yeah. you, he says the most American thing in the episode, which is yeah. uh, effectively, uh, our job is to protect us. They're not uh-huh. us. Why would we yeah. go protect them? Right, After exactly. Stabilized their region. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah, he's uh, he's right from the mouth of an Air Force general, right there. Yeah, I know. So Teal says, well. It was because I was there that we had to break their shit, so uh, we should like make up for it. And O'Neill's like, yeah, and I gave the order to break it, so it's my fault. And I was like, and I shot the weapon, so it's my fault. And like Carter says, and I was there, <laughs> literally, because she doesn't have anything more to add to this. But uh, yeah, that that's enough to appeal to Hammond, uh, to, to his sense of goodness and uh, fairness and humanity, and agree to have... Just one team of four soldiers sent to this war zone to help them to like to fend off an invasion. As far as they know, that's all they're doing right now. Uh, like they have the vaguest of plans. That well, if we go to this planet, maybe we can find other Asgard stuff and use that to help us. But they're not basing this on anything. It's not until Gerwin tells them about it that they're going to have an actual plan. So. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I, if just really have any like actual objectives here. It's like not they don't decide. Yes, we're going to go in. We're going to evacuate survivors, or we're going no. to actually try and we're going to try and assess how much capital they're invading the planet in, or we're uh-huh. more specifically, oh, we're going to repel them. No, they have nothing. No, yeah, we're we're going to go free this entire planet. Send the four of us to do that, and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go <laughs> ahead, heroes of this show. The show is named about uh, is named after. Go for it, uh, and and so they go for it. Uh, we see like we shift to the scene on Samaria, and it appears that the entire Stargate pedestal, as well as the pillar, has been moved to a different location since last year. Uh, they they had a, either that or they planted a lot of trees around that area since then, and they grew up really fast because it's not the same spot at all. It was like the last year it was in an open field. And now it's, it seems to be in the woods. Uh, nitpicks, I know. But it for is. once, we go back to the same planet. So, you know. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so they, they, they come through and no one is there. Um, so they just have a little look around. And then, yeah, Gerwin is just, I guess, standing behind some bushes uh, a short distance away. And they see her and they go and talk to her. Uh, yeah. And they, they just say, okay, all right. And she starts to say, hey, so at first we saw some ships and like we didn't know what they were, just lights in the sky. No one know, knew what was going on. And then before we knew it, they were landing and then blowing us up. And then like people started coming through the Stargate. Uh, <laughs> and like, no, wait, they, yeah, they didn't land the ships because they can't land them because they don't have any pyramids to do that on. But like they, the ships, were in the sky and fired at them and then like they started coming through the Stargate which is a sequence of events I explained earlier where they blew up the pillar and then they came through um, and then yeah so she says that Kendra is the one who remembered about the box because I think they gave it they gave that to her last last year because she was like an ex-ghouled and like a shaman to them and, or something kind of a like spiritual slash scientific leader of theirs because she knows more about shit because she used to be a ghoul. Anyway, she's the one who... a little weird to give it to her who's, you know, despite her having more understanding than the rest of the Chimerans, still definitely was, like, listening to... was, like, not... was just listening to actual thunder as if it was... Yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah, Kendra, like, knew that the ghouls were aliens. She knew everything about them because she was a host, but still believed that Thor and the Asgard were actual gods, which is kind of a funny concept. Um, Doesn't matter anymore because we're going to learn she's dead now. Uh, Actor did not want to show up for another episode or couldn't or whatever because clearly... uh, Or, well, I mean, also it's convenient because now we get to pick up all her stuff and bring it back home. Because it's it's going to serve some more uh, Carter character development in a second. Uh, but yeah, she's the one who gave the box to Gerwin and told her, hey, toss that to the Stargate to, to Earth. Uh, that'll call them. Because I guess she, she understands the concept of radioactive isotopes in that box that can be detected through an iris that goes well, through I a wormhole. Which... Nobody else knows that generally it's not... Earth is the only one with an iris, so it's just... She probably was just assuming the box would go through, and they'd be like, oh, we know where we sent this. <laughs> right? But, but yeah, but don't go through the Stargate yourself, because for some reason, that's dangerous. I guess maybe SG-1 told them not to do that. Uh, I don't know. Or maybe they just told them, toss this through, and we'll know it was you. Um... Oh yeah, so uh, Gerwin says that the, the the man she was cradling earlier is specifically her husband, because we see his, his corpse right now. Uh, and she, she says, like, his brothers were there too, and they all died. Uh, so just as, she, as she's saying that, the Jaff- we, we get the Jaffa blasting stuff not far from them, and another one blowing into a, a nice big ram horn, uh, just like we like him. Uh, <laughs> so they go, hey, we should skedaddle out of here. Um, oh, yeah, so I guess, so the Jaffa did spot them, and they were just like, shooting warning shots at them instead of shooting them dead, I guess, because it gives them enough time to get some cover and, like, shoot back at the Jaffa. Um, like we said, very Stormtrooper-ish this episode. I'm trying to spot if they actually kill those guys right now, if, or if they just kind of shoot back and then... Oh, yeah, okay, O'Neill just, like, throws a grenade at them and, and kills them. So, uh, put two grenades, on the, on the kill counter. Weirdly effective in this show. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, out in the open. I, I guess the Jaffa don't know what a grenade is, so they don't know to get away from them when they're tossed their way <laughs> or tossed them back or anything. Like, uh, this is like the, the third or fourth time that they've just 
It's like, oh, there's a group of there's a group of Jaffa. Just tuck your name at them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, after they, they do that, they run off in the woods. There's some more Jaffa that are running after them because you know they heard that horn we mentioned. Uh, so there's a big a bit of a chase in the woods with uh, the lasers flying. Uh, at SG1, uh, O'Neill and Teal manage to get some cover behind a big old tree. Uh, the rest of them like run after them uh, a little bit later. Uh, yeah, no, wait, they're separated. Like uh, Gerwin is with uh, Carter and Daniel, and like she, she kind of like they, they they hear they hear some noise, and they're all like on guard. Gerwin takes her sword out, and she goes forward, and she like almost. Uh, murders O'Neill right there, and because like he points his gun at her, and she has her sword out, because uh, they they kind of ambushed each other, I guess. Um, and they go, all right, I think we've escaped the Jaffa now. What should we do next? Like, great plan, by the way. We came here to like free your planet, and we're immediately on the run from from the Jaffa, and now we had we don't have a plan. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, Daniel is the one who suggests the first like draft of a plan at this point he says yeah we should probably go see kendra because you know she used to be a gould she has some technology and like she might be able to help and like strategize with us uh and gerwin just instead of saying she's dead she says all right follow me and she's gonna play it all dramatic and take them to her grave i guess this is an excuse for them to actually be at her grave and find her stuff uh, instead of just her saying, hey, she's dead, and then them not going there. Uh, so yeah, uh, Kendra's dead. They're, they they go to her grave, she says. Gerwin says her and her family. So I guess Kendra had a family that we never saw or heard about. Uh, she seemed to be kind of a hermit. Maybe like she met some people in the last year or so. She she was like <laughs> uh, welcomed Maybe into the community. Back. You, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know that. Maybe she got married over the last year, but like he's dead, or he or she is dead now. I guess I should say because uh, we don't know anything about these people. Um, Although, any, uh, yeah, we, they don't they don't bring it up here, so maybe they haven't really thought of it yet. Mm-hmm. But that, but her having family would be a really big deal in universe, right? Because yeah, because she was taken by a ghoul and she did she find her family again after that well, or did she I, come from yeah, this maybe, planet i mean i assume that they were family she made here after coming that's my assumption yeah. is that because we find out later Gawold, when Gawold hosts have kids that's a big deal oh yeah you're right well, I, okay yeah you're talking like, about the harcesis stuff but, not as uh, big a deal as like the ones we're going to see later for her no yeah probably just some that's random, the thing but still ha, ha, Having kids while you're actively a ghouled host is a big deal, which is a thing we're going to talk about in, I think, like, two episodes-ish? Um, but not right now. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's a good point. Because, um, you know, genetic memory and everything. But she was an ex-ghouled host, and presumably that's just normal human babies after that point. Uh, not that we're going to know this, because we don't know of any other... Like, don't I don't think Carter... Dead. Had, sorry. Oh, she, she's dead now, and we're not going to. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Uh, they're dead, so they find Kendra's grave, and it's conveniently covered in all her all her personal effects, including the ghoul torture device that she had and the healing one. Uh, and for some reason that is not explained, but can be interpreted as 
uh, memories of Joel and are inside, inside Carter, Carter's brain, like muscle memory of some kind, telling her to do that. She, she puts on the ribbon torture device thing and she puts it on her hand and she like kind of just tries to use it. Uh, and like Daniel kind of like looks at her and says, it seems to notice, Hey, why are you doing this? And she's just like kind of stares at it for a second in fascination. Um, and then, like, yeah, as she's doing that, it, it kind of turns on and starts sliding up. And, and like, Daniel's like, oh, wait, what? Because, uh, like, it's also established now. Uh, I don't think it's been established before that regular humans can't use these things. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's been, like, because we saw Kendra use the healing device when we last saw her. And no, it was kind of. Came, it, it came up when we first saw Kendra. That That's. That, that's how mm-hmm. they figured out that Kendra was the next was the next oh, host. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that that was like information that we had from last season. Um, the, anyway, the yeah. Big it, thing, the thing, the most important thing is that Samantha is a Jedi now. She's unlocked her <laughs> midichlorians and she has the power. Yes. Yes. That you you put your finger right on it. That Nacreda blood, uh, another power it has. So so far we've had detecting Gould. Finding the Stargate somehow that does that, uh, having like dream flashbacks sometimes that we've had last episode when she was like passing out from mine, um, from mining, from being exhausted, uh, and now yeah we we get to use and these not things. Being that- able to be have her mind read by the by the VR machines. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there was that too. Uh, yeah, and now we have being able to use specifically the things that go in the hand in your hand when you're a ghoul. Because the Zats and the Staffs can just be used by anyone, because these have like triggers, like regular things on them. But those, those, the, the hand healing device and the hand torture device are like mind activated, and that needs Nacreda blood to do that. Uh, which is I'm like, cu- yeah. I'm choosing though to interpret that Daniel's very concerned face about this is like, oh, oh sure, when I get compul- I get compulsions to use Gable technology, it's bad, but with Sam, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, and she, like, Sam literally has uh, a, a, for- a force projection, like a, a Skyrim-style Fusrodal thing that is also a torture-to-death thing in her hand right now, and like, everyone is acting like this, it's wonderful that she has that, and she should pursue that further. Because, uh, like, Daniel encourages her to concentrate and try to use it correctly, uh, uh, there, there's a, there's a bit like she actually manages to fire a blast into the dirt with that thing, uh, and then like the like, everyone is like kind of whoa, kind of records at this, and especially Sam herself. And right after that, there, there's the, there's the shot from like behind her hand where she's just like without thinking has it pointed straight at O'Neill, and he goes whoa, whoa, whoa wait, don't point that at me. Um, and she like yeah she takes it off and then she tries doing the same thing with the healing device but can't do it and they go like yeah well Gerwin says it took Kendra years to learn to use that properly so they go like all right well we don't have that we don't have time to figure it out right now but like pack it up and bring it home and we'll figure it out when we get home um, so yay add these add these things to the the loot that they bring back home in this episode. Uh, it's it's a small thing, but you know, compared to the fact that we're going to meet the Asgard, it's pretty small anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, so finally they go. O'Neill says, "All right, 
we're out in the open at the graveyard here. We like those Jaffa might find us any second. Uh, how about we go somewhere that's more better defended? And Gerwin says, "All right, uh, everyone that's left alive is in that cave. So let's let's go to this one cave. <laughs> that's probably the safest place there is right now." Um, so they go there. Um, uh, yeah, uh, they go to so one, we, of the, one of the three sets available this episode. Yeah, the the cave, which is probably literally the same cave that they were prisoners in two episodes ago, three episodes ago. Uh, uh, yeah, they go in there. We meet Olaf, who is a, a a nice, manly, strong Viking guy who's going to be their friend for the, for this episode. And I'm going to miss him so much because we're not going to see him again. And I like him. I like this guy. He's very funny. He's he's uh. This this is like this is a guy who goes to a Renaissance fair and speaks like a Viking, like a big manly voice, and like really over enunciates everything. Um, like him a lot, uh, and he's like Olaf is like hostile to them at first. He's like he's the one who goes gets on their ass about hey, it's because you broke the hammer that the Etans have come, uh, and Gerwin is like no wait, but they've come back to help us now, so let let them help because they can help us better than any than anyone. Um, and like Olaf's position right now is that Thor has abandoned them because uh because I guess they 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 sided with these bad guys from another planet uh and Thor was just like a petty bitch about it uh but yeah they they convinced him that yay yeah they fought the gould before so like yeah we know how to we're 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 better best chance to do anything uh and we don't go into any deeper, it, go into it any deeper than that now, because uh, yeah, Ola- almost died at their hand. We have repeatedly <laughs> narrowly actually, beat them at multiple occasions. Yeah, Apophis actually killed us all once in a on a planet that was identical to this one. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess uh, so. O'Neill and Teal just go out on patrol with Olaf now. Uh, the, their plan is to ambush some Jaffa, and that's going to help the war effort, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Carter and Daniel and, uh, Gerwin stay in the cave, uh, and they just have a little chat. Uh, Sam tries to, uh, use the healing, uh, the healing device a little more doesn't work. Uh, and Gerwin, like, the, this is when she mentioned, oh, if we knew where the Hall of Thor's, Thor's might was, we might find some stuff in there that would help us. <clears throat> I guess she implies that would help. Carter used the healing device, but she also means, like, help us generally. And Daniel just, like, like perks up when he hears that and goes up and says, Hey, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, and Garwin says, Oh, they yeah, find well, the holocron. Yeah, exactly. Garwin <laughs> uh, says, Oh, you know, everyone knows about the Hall, of, the Hall of Thor's might. It's this place where Thor put all of his cool shit in, uh, but no one knows where... Well, I mean, no, wait. We know exactly where it is, we just don't know how to use it. Uh, if only we, we knew how to blah blah blah, we, it might be able to help us. Uh, and like, uh, yeah, Daniel and Carter say, hey... We didn't bring this up last time for some reason. <laughs> yeah, we were all a little busy with the, the maze of Thor's wrath of killing Gould to worry with the Hall of Thor's might that has weapons that can also help us kill Gould. Um, so they go, yeah, uh, what if there's Asgard shit in there that we can use to fight the Gould that might help us? Um, and uh, yeah, they ask Gerwin, like, take us there. 
please now we have we have an objective now we're 16 minutes into this episode and we're, we we now know what we're doing um which is maybe the the the, the major flaw in this episode i guess other than nitpicks we'll get to um but yeah it works anyway um so we get back to the patrol with olaf uh, who uh, shows up? Yeah, we we saw it earlier. Uh, we saw like a, a a real Warcraft-ish animation of like a pyramid being built from the distance. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's hard to describe, but like it, it's a CG animation. It, it it looked like it was like kind of building itself in in a way that where it was like popping up and like little like parts of it were like placing themselves. Uh, just like an RTS. Anyway, uh, we get back Distant there with sounds of more work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In in the distance, um, you can hear them screaming. Additional pylons are needed. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's not a Protoss building uh, building thing because the Protoss just have this like ball of light that that teleports the building in, and uh, that's not what's going on. It's actually being built by some by some kind of automated process that seems to be building it real fast and automatically. Um, but yeah, uh, Olaf brings them to like. I guess the the foothills of where they're building three pyramids for ships to land on that look really clustered together real close if you're going to land huge ships on them. I'm I don't know. That doesn't seem like they have the clearance to land all three of them at the same time there. But who knows? I'm no ghoul engineer. Uh <clears throat> So yeah, Olaf says, uh yeah, so uh I don't know what these are. Seems like blowing them up might be a good idea. And O'Neill's like, yeah, I agree. Uh, then they go and check it out. Uh, they, they, they whip up their binoculars and start looking. Um, and they see uh, a Horus guard, with, who's a Jaffa with a big bird helmet, uh, just like the one we saw in the movie. Uh, and like O'Neill says, hey, you recognize these guys, Teal'c? That, that looks way fancier than your snake helmet that you, that you've had when you, when we found you. What's up with that? Almost looks like it was made on a bigger budget than the one you had. Um, and like, yeah, uh, Teal'c says, yeah, that's the, yeah, O'Neill specifically says we saw those on Abydos when, with Raw. Uh, so calling back to the movie. Um, and like Teal says, these are Horus guards. They belong to Heru Ur. Well, they, he says they probably belong to Heru Ur because that's, that's the Jaffa of Ra's family. And he says Heru Ur was Ra's son, uh, and his mother was Hathor. Uh, and I just have to bring up, I looked up this episode on Stargate Wiki, and one of the mistakes or notes they had is that in actual Egyptian mythology, Horus, who is the actual god that is represented by Heru Ur on this show, uh, is actually the god, of, the, the son of Isis and Osiris. Uh, more, more on these names uh, in like three or four seasons. Uh, shorter than that because it's season two already, but anyway. Uh, where, where did Daniel get his degree from? Right. Uh, that's that's another good question. Considering what we're also going to learn about what he knows about Nor- uh, Nordic runes and uh, geometry and uh, math. <laughs> uh, more on that later. That's another thing that was on the Goofs page on, of the Stargate uh, wiki. The, the thing about uh, Dr. Daniel Jackson is clearly he got his master's or doctorate in Egypt stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. v- vaguely. He took a single class on Norse mythology uh, a decade ago. <laughs> Right. He did not retain that information. 
No, he did. He didn't think that would be useful in, in analyzing the pyramids for like alien stuff. Just shows what he knew. Turns out all the all the cultures, all the gods were aliens. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, while they're looking at their binoculars, uh, Olaf, who was hanging out behind, uh, hanging back behind them, got found by by the Jaffa, and they like kind of grab him. And then another guy in a big golden Horus helmet uh, comes up the, in front of him and speaks in a big uh, Gould voice and says, "Kneel before your God." Uh, and uh, Kind of funny that I was mentioning budgets earlier. Uh, this guy's helmet collapses completely off camera. We don't get to see it at all. <laughs> it just cuts away from him, and then we get back, and he doesn't have it on. Uh, and yeah, that's the like Olaf is being uh, confrontational with him. He says, "My God is Thor. Who the fuck are you?" And here er, we get to see him face to face for the first time now. He says, "Your God can help cannot help you now." And like like yeah, like I mentioned before, with the earrings and the goatee and the bald head. Uh, and their big regal golden suit, like imagine him in a in like uh, a classy tailored suit with like a black tie and stuff. I can totally see him like holding, like standing in front of a velvet robe in, in front of a real fancy nightclub for real rich people and telling people he, they're not on the list. He one hundred percent gets killed by John Wick. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Crazy, you know? I was actually thinking uh, he would get into a fight with Johnny Cage. <laughs> Wait, which which Mortal Kombat character does he look like to you? Kano? Yeah, I, I guess I see it. Um, <laughs> um, that no, is an I, extra I, on one of Johnny Cage's movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. was going to say that. Like, uh, no, he, he looks like the guy you would who would be in the opening cutscene getting beat up in a fake movie. <laughs> yes, uh, and also like with the boldness and the like the mustache and the the golden armor. Uh, when I was younger, the first place my mind went to with this guy was Nappa from Dragon Ball. Even though he's much slimmer and he's not a big beefy guy like Nappa, he he like sort of has a similar kind of face um, and look. But yeah, all, can, all, all of these descriptions are right. Sorry, I can see how you got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a teenager, that's that's what I got. Um, but yeah, all these all these descriptions are right. I, I'd also just like to point out that the actor who plays him played Apophis's first prime in the season premiere uh, over on the ship there. So uh, <laughs> if you if you want to have a headcanon that w- this was the Jaffa who became a Gould host after that, which I don't think is possible anyway, or like he's moving on up in the in the Gould society, go ahead. Uh, but no, clearly just reused an, an actor who had a bit part for a, another secondary character who has a larger part and he's going to become recurring um anyway as they're like so O'Neill and Teal see all of that happening and start aiming their silenced guns directly at no I I I I would say directly at Heru-er, but clearly they're aiming at the Jaffa because um they 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 want to save Olaf's life Heru-er, uh Sorry, yeah, he's about to just, like, use his hand device to kill Olaf. And then that's when uh, Teal'c and O'Neill start shooting, but they just shoot the Jaffa instead of shooting right at Heru'er, which is a real dumb mistake that they make, because by the time Heru- by the time they start shooting at Heru'er, he's turned around and activated that shield that we know that the ghouls have, so they can't shoot him anymore now. Uh, if only they had a bow and ar- an arrow, but dang, they didn't think to prepare that. Um... So yeah, they they do manage to kill all the Jaffa that are around there, though. 
uh, <laughs> add some more to the body count, uh, and they run over and get Olaf and help him out of there. Uh, there's a, there's a, a small, uh, bit where Hero almost bends down to pick up a staff weapon and shoot at them, but Teal sh- shoots the staff weapon so that, uh, Hero can't use it. Uh, and like we get a close up of Hero staring. Uh, his light up eyes at directly at Teal probably recognizes him because everyone knows about Teal at this point in, in like in the Gould world. Uh, and like they, they just have a little stare and then they run off. So Herber knows exactly who he's dealing with now. He's like, crap, the Tauri are here. Uh, that's bad. Uh, but yeah, also like it's bad for them, that, for the good guys now because like, you know, Herber knows that they're there. Uh, so yeah, they, they've lost that, that, possible stealth element they had, I guess. Um, so yeah, they, they go back to the cave. Uh, uh, and yeah, yeah, Teal'c says, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was Herroer, and Daniel like fanboys a little bit. He's like, oh yeah, no way, Horus, huh? He's like one of the main ones. That's crazy. That's cool, though. And like like I said, he says uh, his parents are Ra and Hathor, which is true in the in the context of this show, false in the context of Egyptian mythology that Daniel should know about, but whatever. Um, so... Um, yeah, so they, they have a, a little briefing in the cave, and uh, O'Neill says, well, alright, we can take all of the C4 we have and go plant it on those pyramids and blow it up, uh, blow them up. Um, so that's probably what we should do to prevent them from landing ships on here. Uh, but, like, bad news is, now the hero has seen them, he's for sure gonna post a bunch of guards around the Stargate, and there's no way they can get out. Uh, so plan evacuate the survivors kind of falls apart at this point. Uh, and Daniel very naively says, all right, let's just h- hide out in this cave until they go away and then we can leave. <laughs> Teal has a very funny line when he says, hey, things will not calm down. They will calm up. Uh, which you know, That's my favorite line from the yeah. episode. Yes, great. Teal, Teal trying to learn uh, expressions of Earth it, yeah. is a fun time. Teal not uh, getting idioms. Nope, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, much like, you, you know, a, a, a proto-Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy right there, I guess. Um, yeah, okay, so they say uh, we could use the C4 right now uh, to blow up the, the, these pyramids and the ships won't be able to land, but then, like, when the ships actually show up and start shooting at us, we don't have anything left to fight them with. Uh, so, this, I guess, uh, like... A, possibil- a possibility would be to plant C4 on the pyramids, wait for the ships to land, and then blow them up. I don't know if that would work. Uh, they don't even they don't mention that, but th- this is when they come up with, uh, well, we have the Hall of Thor's might. We might want to investigate. That could help us. Um, which is like, yeah, <laughs> O'Neill is immediately skeptical of this because it sounds like some bullshit that Daniel just came up with. Uh, but they go, yeah, but you know, we, there's a Thor's hammer on this planet that turns out to be real and do stuff. Maybe the Hall of Thor's might does stuff in Israel too. Uh, so they go, all right, well, that's 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 all we got, I guess. So go ahead and find this hall. Uh, so they do that, uh, and they go up to a different like pillar in the forest that looks a lot like the one that that teleports people to Thor's hammer. Uh, and Gerwin takes. Only uh, Daniel and Sam there, uh, and they check it out. And Daniel has a, a little bit 
where he says, yeah, this is this is the Hall of Thor's might. You know, you do understand the meaning of the word Hall, which is, man, just makes me think that how, how bad the real estate market is on Samaria, where uh, that's that's all the Hall you can get for uh, for your rent. <laughs> it's just just the one column. Um, but yeah, uh, they, 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 they got, they, they come there and the Gerwin's like, well, that's all we know is this thing is called the Hall of Thor's Might. There's a big shiny red gem on it, but no one has ever tried to touch it because it's forbidden or whatever. And Daniel's like, well, how about we touch it? <laughs> that turns I, out to, yeah. I, I cast out on that. You're telling me not a single viking teenager has ever touched that gem right on a dare or anything you would think like i think i think the idea is I, I, I thor said they, they would touch it get stuck in the get stuck in the hall and like never see it again so that people stop touching it <laughs> yeah maybe i know thor just thor just sends people out when they can't figure out the puzzle we we know that much because he he's about to do it to them later yeah. um this but yeah is a straight up breath of the wild shrine <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's exactly what it is. Um, I, I do like the implication that Thor planted this this thing there. Said, "All right, first rule is never touch that gem." And then, like the implication, what he, what Thor actually wants is for the people on that planet to to become like scientifically curious enough to actually go and break the rule because that's a sign that they've progressed enough to like go on that path forward or whatever. But also, f- totally, a kid j- would just go there and touch it anyway, uh, without like uh, any that's, that's kind why of. You have, that's why you have the extra level of test. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Which is to get teleported in a completely dark cave for a second. Uh, Daniel so, is so sorry. We saw how we saw in the in Thor's in Thor's hammer that like the hammer chamber was just like this big ass was like yeah. this big ass cave cave section that was mm-hmm. like actually looked vaguely manufactured when looked yep. at from the outside. Mm-hmm. You think like this is just on the other side of that same building? Oh, it's uh, yeah. It's got to be. It's somewhere inside the same mountain that just just off to the side behind it, like one of the walls of the maze, is this room, I guess. That that's a distinct possibility. Though so Daniel is is a big dummy because he points his flashlight directly at his face before turning it on. You would think, you know, point it forward when you do that. Have you never used a flashlight in your life, man? You're an archaeologist. I'm sure you have. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, they look around. the The room is empty except for another pillar at the other end of the room that looks identical to the one they just touched to get here. Uh, uh, they they shine their light at it and it turns on and we get our buddy Holothor from last episode, same guy, the the hologram pretending to be like the big Viking guy. Uh, Gerwin has never seen this guy before, so, so she kneels and goes, "Hey, Thor, uh, I'm honoring your presence and whatever." Um, and like Thor says, "Hi, pass my tests, and you can win the my might." Uh, and yeah, you said it's a breath of the wild shrine. That just that's all I can think of right now. It's exactly what it is. Um, it is. It's the little space that doesn't quite make sense physically, and you get you go in, you get told there's a puzzle, and solve it, you get my shit. Yeah, by the light of God is highly. Uh, please pass this test and uh, sink this ball into a hole. Um, so yeah, uh, so Thor's right after he says, "Hey, pass my test," he just disappears. Uh, and Garwin says, "Hey, okay, Thor, wait, don't go." And then, like Carter says, "Hey, hey, that's just a hologram. It's just a pre-recorded message 
Thor isn't really here. Um, so they go, all right, test now. Uh, no, no further indication of what we're supposed to do, so let's go check out that pillar. And as soon as they walk towards it, uh, earthquake starts, the, the cave starts shaking, and then the floor completely crumbles, and just a, a narrow beam of stone that is at least in a straight line uh, <laughs> towards the pillar is all that's left with the bottomless pit on either side of it. And they go, well, there's our test. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty clear what we're supposed to do now. So they go, all right. Uh, so they, they send Carter up for... Wait, no, that's not even... They don't do that yet. All right, we get a little bit more of uh, guerrilla fighting in the in the forest, in the Redwood Forest first. Um, we get... Uh, sorry, no, all we get is O'Neill uh, planting some claymores and Olaf looking at this and thinking, these are not claymores. Claymore's a sword. Um, that's just sort of an entirely different part of Europe, but... It's- <laughs> oh right well I mean there were Vikings in, in Scotland anyway um, uh, alright yeah that's all we get for this this little short scene and now yeah we get back to the hall and uh, Carter is the first one to go because you know she's been military trained of course she's had to walk across a narrow beam as part of a training she does that very carefully uh, she like this a bit where oh she kind of wobbles and it looks like she's almost gonna fall uh, all, all I can think is she's holding her big flashlight in one hand which seems like it would unbalance her she should probably put it in her backpack like at the center of her mass to keep her balance better uh, anyway but she does it just fine anyway. No problem. She crosses. All right. Next up is Garowin because Daniel is a big old scaredy cat and he's afraid of heights. He's mentioned that apparently he has a phobia of heights too that we've never heard about before at this point. Um, so he sends Garowin first and Garowin is like shaking and almost crying. So clearly she's she doesn't think this is cool either. But yeah, they just make her go next. Uh, she starts very slowly uh, and then like, oh no, there's a tremor and she kind of falls and like... Uh, falls flat on her belly on the beam and holds herself there and she becomes like paralyzed with fear that she's gonna fall and she says oh no thor wants to kill me because he's like i've i've disappointed him or whatever and (laughs) daniel being very useful whips out his mythology knowledge and says no thor is nice he would never ask that he's not he's not a he's not like one of those greek gods that always punish people he's He's swell. He's cool. Uh, it's not. This is just part of the test. And like uh, Carter says, "All right, I'll come and get you." And Daniel says, "No, you're already there. It should be me." And he faces his fear. He just goes forward. Which I don't know what exactly the plan is. I guess stand on that narrow beam right behind her and hold her hand to help her get up, which seems very hard to do. Um, yeah, that seems like it'd make it harder. But you know, yeah. Um, it, it seems like what sh- what Gerwin should do w- should just be to crawl across that beam until she gets to the other side. Like that seems safer than what they're trying to do. Anyway, uh, Daniel walks up behind her and he crouches down and he's uh, he asks her to give him his her hand. Uh, and like as as he's doing that, there's another tremor and they like they go whoa and they go over the side and they're both dead. That's the end of the episode. Daniel is dead again. Ding. Um, no, that's not, that's not, I'm not, I'm not going to put in the sound effect or increment the counter. Uh, I guess, should I? Because, like, for, 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 like, uh, one cut, we believe that Daniel has fallen into the pit and is dead. 
because like we cut over to Carter and she's looking at them and we only see her and the camera is not pointing at the f- at the ground but yeah. then like it kind of pans out and we see he's fine on the on the ground. You you didn't count last you didn't count last episode. So I'm gonna say this one probably shouldn't because that was yeah. <laughs> well, last episode, like Carter literally went to check his pulse and said he's alive, which I felt like was v- very clearly. Yeah, we're not supposed to think that Thor would actually kill these guys. This is not a surprise. Anyway, uh, Daniel just said he's not a wrathful god. Daniel wouldn't lie to us like that. Anyway, they're fine. Judges say this isn't a Daniel death. It doesn't count. Uh, Okay, let's let's make a new rule for a Daniel death to count. Uh, Either the the, he, he... Sorry. My input would be uh, the audience has to legitimately believe that Daniel is dead. Yeah, the audience has to believe he's dead, but he has to believe the audience has to believe it at least into the next scene. Yeah. Like if it had cu- if it had cut to Jack and Olaf at this point, that might count, but it doesn't even do that. So yeah, that's it. This is like a real borderline case, but it doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> all right. Gavel. If I had a gavel, I would bang it right now. That's that. That's the law of Daniel. That's now. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, we see. So they, they, everyone's fine. The pit has completely disappeared, and like uh, Hollow Thor appears again and says, "Oh, you've done well. The actual secret test was to check if you would help your friend, and it turns out you you're courageous enough to do that. Ha ha ha! Aren't I a little trickster, much like my brother? Uh, wait, no, I'm not gonna even mention him this episode." All right. Uh, next up, uh, next test. Uh, he doesn't even like say next up the test of wisdom, but the, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, they they just like he disappears, and then like the pillar flashes again, and they get teleported to a different room that looks mostly so, the same, but has stuff written on the walls and so, and some so like. I don't want to uh, actually, I, I already made the Zelda comparison, but they are a test of wisdom and a test of courage. Absolutely. The only thing that's missing is one of those fight a guardian that's with the spinning lasers and stuff. That's the test well, of power. See, if, they, if, 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 the, if the Unos wasn't dead, it would just teleport them over there for a few minutes. <laughs> right. Good point. Uh, he was just ke- Thor was just keeping that guy in there for just for that. That's for the test of strength. Uh, but yeah, no, this so is the test of wisdom. Test, for this <laughs> test, Daniel has to remember that in Latin, they spell Jehovah with an I. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is this is very Indiana Jones. You're right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, even like even like the, the the beam over the pit was a thing in in that movie. It was like he had to throw sand on it to see it because it was painted like the cliffs, he which had is to leap from the lion's head. Right. Exactly. Which is like just slight slight aside about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, like it took me a lot of viewings to understand that was the trick with that 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 walkway over the pit is that it was painted like to, for as a perspective trick because you see the camera like kind of turn turn around to show it to you, but like. I don't think as a kid, like, my brain registered that that was the trick. I was just like, oh, I, like, now I see it. Like, he, he stepped into emptiness and it appeared and now it's there. I thought it was, I thought it was just magic. Um, anyway. Yeah, I thought it was just god power. Yeah, because, like, literally the Holy Grail makes you immortal in that movie. Anyway. Um, that's, the, that's the one Indiana Jones movie I don't think I've actually seen. Oh, you should. It's the second best Indiana Jones movie. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I only know the one the one clip of the cups because that's been referenced in everything. Yes, that's right. Um, oh, there's gonna be there's about to be a new Indiana Jones movie. I just I keep forgetting they're making a fifth Indiana Jones. I I wonder how that's gonna be. Morbidly curious about Indiana Jones five. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, so yeah, uh, there's like runes written on the wall, and they go, "All right, let's solve that riddle now." This um, this is my favorite part of the episode because suddenly Daniel uh, and Samantha find themselves in a Riven game. <laughs> God, I was gonna mention that when they solve the thing, it absolutely looks like a missed animation that happens on that circle on the wall. It's yeah. really funny. Uh, they are well, the f- 100% in a missed game at this point. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, the first of two uh, like video game visual inspirations in this in this episode. Um, we get a little bit more of uh, forest fighting first. Uh, O'Neill is hiding the claymores under some leaves and stuff. Uh, Olaf is, has climbed up a tree to check out the, the approaching Jafar. Uh, <clears throat> and he spots them and he goes down and whips out his axe and he's like, all right, they're coming here, so I'm going to stand in the middle of the path with my axe in front of their laser staffs, and that's how we fight and stuff. And like, O'Neill and Tilka are like, nope, that's not what we're going to do here. Uh, get down here, get behind cover, you idiot. Um, and like they just wait for the Jaffa to get there. Um, so, uh, yeah, O'Neill has uh, remote detonators for the claymores he just put down. I just don't feel like pointing out they don't call them claymores. They call it C4 for this whole episode, which is the, like those the are, thing. The, those are claymores, yeah. Yeah. Claymores have like a proximity detection thing. That's how they blow up. Like you can even see when he puts them down in the nice HD stream or Blu-ray that it says front towards enemy on the front of it because that's because that's the side that blows up. Uh, C4 Four is remotely detonated. They have a trademark. Yes. <laughs> so what he's doing, what 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 he actually did today? So these are some Power Rangers ass explosions that are oh, clearly yeah. like six feet behind the stunt guys who are then doing backflips. Yep, that's what that's what happens. That's that's how you blow stuff up in TV shows. Well, that's well, yeah. The- it's, it's just it's like it just explicitly reminds me of like Disney era Power Rangers when. Yep. It's, like, very obvious how far away these explosions yep. are. There, there, there's clearly, like, a trampoline or a springboard hidden, like, in the brush that the stuntman just, like, leaps onto to spring up into the air for that for that shot. It's it's very entertaining to watch. Uh, so they, they blow up those Jaffa that are coming there with their Claymore C4. Um, and that's it. Uh, they, they just get out of there, and Olaf is very confused. He's like, you have the power of whatever. Well, this is, this is, you're, you're, you're as mighty as Thor, and whatever. Uh, but, like, like not all the Jafar are dead. O'Neill and Tilk just whip out of where they are, kneel down, and, like, just wait for the Jafar, who are, I guess, scared by the explosions and running forward without looking, uh, just running straight into their line of fire as Tilk and O'Neill keep murdering Jafar. Uh, there's, like, at least, they kill at least six people in that scene right there um and yeah so uh, after the action has fallen olaf comes out from behind them and says yeah that this is where he says like thunder and fire you do possess thor's might and then like right after he says that he does a nice two-handed axe toss and the camera follows the axe like it's that robin hood movie with the arrow right into like that jaffa's chest (laughs) 
<laughs> and Olaf kills the last one, uh, who they hadn't seen standing right in front of them in the open right there. He like wearing gray metallic armor in the forest. Um, I mean, they, 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 they just left. They, they intentionally left to White Sweden to feel bad. Yes, exactly. To, <laughs> to, to make Olaf happy. And who wouldn't want to make that guy happy? He's, he's so, he's so fun. Uh, this is the last time we see him. He, I don't think he even shows up after this scene. Um, He's like, yeah, now now we're even and whatever, because I killed one guy and I feel good about myself now. And like they hear another one of these horns and they say, hey, we should probably get out of here now. And Olaf says, hey, come with me. And that's it. They just run off. Back to the puzzle now. Um, Daniel is looking at the runes and he says, all right, these runes are pictograms. And before they were letters, they meant ideas. And he says, hang on, I'm, I'm trying to get it right. Apparently, like, the, that, that's another note in uh, Stargate Wiki, is he doesn't quite get the, the, the representation of of uh, the pictograms right, but it seems like it's close enough to what he says that, you know, it's in the ballpark of what it means. Uh, so, yeah, one of, one, of the, one of the walls has runes, one of the walls has, like, pictures on it, including, like, a picture of a circle with a plus coming, coming through it, like a crosshair, and the other one has, like, uh, four shapes, like a triangle, a pentagon, a circle, and a square. Um, and they go, all right, no idea what this means. Um, uh, yeah. And like, uh, Carter, like, uh, complains that, hey, we're kind of on a deadline here and it's, it sucks that we have to sit here and figure this out while there's a war going on outside. And then it says, yeah, well, as far as, as Thor is concerned, his hammer is working and doing all the defending this planet needs. Uh, which, you know, might, might clue you in as to, how many weapons are actually in this place, but, you know. Um, so, okay, Daniel goes up to the runes and says, all right, uh, the, the, they mean, uh, they mean, the runes mean ideas. So, okay, hang on. The, he says, the first one is Thor's protection. Uh, this, uh, wait, hang on. All right, hang on, hang on. Uh, the last one is a wagon or a chariot. Which is like a Thor's chariot, whatever. This is this is where the, the the title of the episode comes from. He says, "Well, knowing what we know now, this could mean a spaceship." Um, and like, and then they say, well, "So, what did the middle middle two means?" Uh, the second one is a dice cup or fate. Uh, yeah, I think that's what Target Wiki said. That 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 uh, symbol actually means like chance or luck, which is you know. It's it's close enough to what it to fate or dice that it makes sense. And the third one is a horse or movement. So uh, you think so if you read that as a sentence, it could mean Thor's protection uh, is fated to move Thor's chariot. So like if we if, if you want Thor's protection, I'm going to move my spaceship over here to protect you. This, this could be like this is what I interpret this sentence as meaning, but uh, you know. We're also going to learn that these are just numbers, actually, because it's part of the puzzle. So it doesn't, it like that meaning doesn't actually matter for our purposes anyway. Um, you just, you just put more more effort into it than Daniel and Samantha, though. Yeah, they don't, they don't even come to that. You'd think that Daniel would like come up with some kind of meaning like that at least, but no, they don't mention that. This is all me bringing my my interpretation to the table right now. Um, so yeah, back in the forest. 
uh, what do they, yeah, they, they hear some more horns, and Tilk says, okay, so basically they're all, like, triangulating their positions by blowing their horns, which means they're, like, kind of moving in and, like, doing a surge grid or, and a pincer movement and whatever. It's like, uh, it, it means we're fucked, basically. They're, they're closing in on us. All right. Back to figure out this puzzle. Uh, Daniel stares at the shapes for a little bit, doesn't know what, what it means, uh, which, you know, you'll think, Okay, triangle, pentagon, circle, square. We mean like three, five, one, four, but that's not even like pi. There's, there should be a one more one if that's what it is. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and like Gerwin looks at at the pictures on on the other wall, and specifically the circle with the crosshairs in it, which you know seems like the biggest hint of the, in in all of that. But n- none of the rest of it seems to relate to any of this in any way. Um, and Daniel says, says basically like, no, this this is just nice pictures. Uh, don't mean anything. Don't let's not worry about this. I have no idea what 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 any of this means. And then Daniel just says straight up like out loud, I I have no idea what what the solution to this is, which is very much missed once again. No no context given. Just uh, figure out this puzzle. No idea what you have to do. But as soon as he says that, uh, th- th- Hollow Thor takes that to has the give up button and says, all right, he appears and says, hey, don't worry about it. It's fine. I know I know it's not easy. I'm just going to send you out now. And Daniel says, wait. And that pauses Thor in mid-animation as he's waving his hammer. It's kind of funny. Um, and Daniel says, all right. I, I, I do like how Hollow Thor is basically literally just a series. Yeah, he, he, he's, just, he's just an FMV that's playing right now. Like, much like, once again, in a Myst game, he's just paused, like... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Atria, uh, Arcus? Anyway, the guy from Mist from explaining stuff. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so Dennis is like, all right, all right, all right. Before we're teleported out of here, I should give this a second try. All right. So now, only now, remembering that those runes also mean numbers. By the way, Gerwin standing right there. Like, she lives on a planet where this is what they used as writing. She, you would think she would be able to just read that wall, but no, Daniel is the one who explains everything, and she doesn't bring anything to, to the conversation. Real, it feels like she should have brought something to that puzzle solve right now. Uh, but no. Nope. Depends on how long ago the wall was written. <laughs> yeah, maybe these are too ancient. Um, it could be like Old English. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but no, Daniel is the one who has to figure it out. Um, he's like, so, okay, he goes back and, and reads the numbers and says, these are the numbers 3, 14, 15, 9, and, uh, Stargate Wiki, once again, hang on, let me find the exact, apparently these aren't the right numbers, even though it is true that runes also mean numbers, like, they got that part for real, and they got almost the right runes for it, but, like, they apparently got it wrong, so, let me just find it, I had it on my phone right here, oh yeah, so, those runes are actually 3, 14, 19, and 5, so, like, they swapped two digits, (laughs) so, this is not even, this isn't even pi in base 10 that's written on the wall, which is another issue, uh, that we have to rent for for a second here. Uh, the only reason these are the digits of pi is because we have a base 10 numeric system with decimal places. Uh, if you use any other numeric system, that's not what pi looks like. Uh, you would think the Asgard, unless they like created that specifically to help the humans of this planet learn to count in base 10 with their human fingers, uh, <laughs> they would use something else to represent that number, which is... Only highlighted by how... Actually, how, how many fingers do the, do the Asgard puppets have? 
I, I think the Asgard have three fingers per hand, which it would be six. They would count in base six if that made any sense. Uh, which is, like, less practical than base ten to begin with. They might just count in hex, because they figured out that it's easier to, like, render digi digitally, as we eventually did when we invented computers. Uh, when I say we, I don't mean Java takes, I mean humans. Um, Ada Lovelace, let's say, uh, <laughs> figured that out. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so Daniel says, all right, so, wait, they figured out, like, the, the Carter, like, hears those numbers and says, th three, one, four, one, five, nine, that's pi, that's, that's the number pi, and sa Daniel says, is that the answer, pi? And he's, like, so Daniel says, no, of course, pi is a Greek letter, he doesn't say that, but that's what he means, like, it, it doesn't make any sense, it, it, it has no relationship to their culture, so I can't express it that way. But for some reason, 314159 is something that is expressed the same way in their culture, which is, you know, whatever. Uh, but then, like, he finally understands that there's geometric shapes on the wall, and he says, oh, right, a circle. Pi is the, ra is the, uh, the, the ratio of a circle's circumference to its radius, and then he draws the radius into the center of the circle, and I'm just like get springing up from my couch and screaming at the screen, no, what are you talking about? Pi is the ratio of the diameter to the circumference. It's twice the radius. You should draw the di di uh, diameter on the circle, you fool. He didn't, like, that That would be half pi if that if he wanted the radius. Uh, anyway, math nitpick right there. Um, but yeah, he just draw draws a, a line in the sand on the wall and then like the wall kind of falls off in an extremely mist like animation uh and to reveal a big red circle gem that was hidden under that god he, like the way the frame rate on the animation like changes looks like a fucking quick time video overlay popped up on your screen to show you the thing you figured out in mist it's it's really uncanny um <laughs> um and it works really well. While the cursor turns into a uh, little uh, hourglass. Yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of even works, though, because it literally is like a, a game set up by him to yes. people. And, so. I, I, and I'm pretty sure that for the shot of him putting his finger on it, they put the thing like uh, like lying flat, because that's the only way that they could get the like the sand to fall off under this thing and have the gem come out of, uh, of it is if you know you play a trick and the wall is actually like a floor or a tabletop or whatever. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty neat effect and it 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 has a look to it that I really enjoy. Um, anyway, yeah, big gem. Daniel puts his hands on it because we've learned that when you see a big gem in an Asgard thing, you're supposed to touch it. Uh, you've learned pattern recognition now, and you know that's what he that's what you do. And Hollow Thor, like, doesn't appear again, but, like, vanishes at this point and reveals actual Hollow Thor, which is, instead of a big, beefy Viking guy, a little alien puppet, like the Roswell Grays, like, specifically, Carter mentioned, mentions them by name, and they go, wait, this, these look like those, those fake alien pictures that ufologists draw and stuff, and, like, on the X-Files and whatever. And so they, they go like, are you saying the Asgard came to Earth and some people saw them and that's what these pictures have been this whole time? And they go, who knows? Which, you know, we do don't know that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't even think that's going to be. 
Like, there's going to be allusions in later episodes to the fact that they look like those aliens, but it's never going to be actually confirmed. It's just a thing. It's it's just like we're supposed to assume that this is what happened. Is like the 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 the, the pop culture image of an alien little gray guy came from the actual real Asgard that like were hanging out around Earth at some point and that some people saw, which you know we we know the Asgard have been to Earth because they got some people over to that planet Samaria and taught them Norse. It's culture and whatever. It's wild that Samantha would ask that. Like, oh man, have the Asgard visited Earth? Like, yeah. Why do you think we know that? Like, we share the term Asgard and Thor. <laughs> like, you think the aliens just stumbled upon <laughs> also Norse mythology? <laughs> they they but found that's the how you got this whole thing. Is that Daniel was like, oh, hey, other gods are probably aliens, too. Yeah, exactly. Thor is like pie. It's just a universal concept. <laughs> aliens are real comic Marvel fans, really. It's, that's all it is. Um, and, the other, and the other thing is the top. I, shit, I had a thought, and it's just poof, God. All right, don't worry about it. <laughs> um so yeah, he just says, I am Thor. Uh, he has like a, a little like high-pitched voice now. And I looked it up and like in this, only this episode, Thor, like in his actual form is still voiced by the same guy who played the hologram. They just like pitched him up. But in every future appearance, he's going to be voiced by Michael Shanks being pitched up. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering about that. Um, so yeah, uh, the other uh, guys. Sorry. Uh, so... They don't know it because I guess it's not really known in you. They don't know it in universe. They didn't see the flashback in the movie. Mm-hmm. But like we did see the gray in the movie. Yes, that's right. Uh, so that's that's why like yeah, the, the, there's that head cannon and, and that fanon I guess that Raw's previous host before he was that guy was uh, was was an Asgard, which is what we see in the flashback. Doesn't explain why he turns back into that guy as he's nuked at the end of the movie, but. Uh, there you go. Yeah, that's that's been a a, a long running little like fan thing uh, that has. That- is is that is Raw supposed to be a gray in that final moment? That he turns into one, and like I think the the concept when they were making the movie was that uh, Raw was one of those aliens, and he like had some kind of glamour or like tech thing on him that made him look human but yeah the, the parasite thing wasn't a thing until the show yeah so. but but yeah you can you can like kind of backwards like justify it and say that that's just his previous asgard host even though there's been no other instances of a ghoul like using an asgard as host and if you look at the, the like the width of asgard next it doesn't even look like a ghoul would fit in there i mean there is a there is you look at the rest of their head. There's a lot of room up in the brain area. For right. Them. Yeah. Maybe it's a it's a different anatomy that they they, they find a different spot to be. Um. So yeah, we're back in the cave. Jack and Teal and Olaf have have gone back, and they go. All right. Uh, they're looking for Daniel and Sam, and they go. Ah, they haven't come back yet. Uh, and yeah, so we cut back to the cave. And this is where uh, Carter says, "Hey, could could th- could it be those aliens? Maybe that's weird." And Thor just like introduces himself. He says he's the supreme commander of the Asgard fleet. Um, and he like gives a little speech about how, "Hey, I'm so proud of you for 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 reaching this point. Uh, like you've become so advanced that you've learned about geometry and stuff that now you get to see us for real. Uh, you, you've you've reached." 
a, a, a level of techno of scientific knowledge equal to ancient Greece on Earth, so which is enough to be made aware of aliens that that then how we look like. Um, and the fact that I'm actually a, a little guy on a spaceship and not a big old god. Um, and like Garen like talks to him a little bit and says, hey, uh, if we didn't do shit, actually, these people came over here and figured it out. We're like, I was just showing them where it was. And like Carter says, hey, uh, I don't think he can hear you. That's just a recording. And like Thor just like looks straight at her and says, no, I, I, I'm actually here, though. It's me for real. Hi. It's very rude. It's very rude of Daniel. How dare? <laughs> yeah. Um. He. He. Yeah. So. Yeah. He says, "I'm. I'm on my spaceship, <laughs> and I just like what the deal with this is, though, on his from his perspective. He's just going about his day off doing space, <laughs> doing space Asgard stuff, and just gets a little just gets a notification. Oh, yep. one of yep. the Bronze Age planes you left has figured out your puzzle. <laughs> yeah. The 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 Samaria light just came on on his like on his dashboard and said, "Oh, all right, all right. I I need to get in the in the hologram thing to talk to them now. Uh, I hope." I don't know if the Asgard sleep. I hope that good thing that didn't happen in the middle of the night while he was sleeping or whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah, he says, "Yeah, I'm talking to you right now." For I'm, I'm on a spaceship and everything. Uh, and they, they, so they talk to him a little bit and they say, "Hey, so hi. Now that we got you, uh, I, okay, bummer about no weapons in here, but like next best next best thing though, we're talking to you right now. Hey." There's a ghoul here. He's invading the place and like fucking it up real bad. We should could we sure could use you coming over and saving us and saving everything everyone here. And Thor's like, I don't understand how this is possible. I put a big old hammer on this planet to protect you. And Daniel says, Yeah, we kind of broke it. And doesn't mention that you know there's a hundred ways you could get a spaceship to break that thing anyway. Um, and like Carter is like, whoa, wait, maybe you shouldn't like tell him that we that we broke his thing. And then he says, well, if we're gonna be friends, we should probably start off not lying to him. Um, and like uh, Th- Thor, uh, Thor, like as as much as you can infer emotion from this puppet who doesn't move much, seems to be like a, a little bit offended at, at all this. Um, <clears throat> that's how they they interpret it a little bit. And Garwin like tries to. To defend them and, and says, yeah, they didn't know about this when they came and they've, they've become our allies and they're trying to make up for it and everything. And we, it would like be really nice if you helped us also. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that's when Thor says, like Carter says, hey, if there's any weapons in here that we could use, we could, we could use them. And Thor says, there's, there's no weapons in here. The whole point of this thing was to learn what I, what I really look like to like make first contact with these people. And you, you've kind of fucked all of that up now. And he just like vanishes after this without, without a further word. And it looks like they've, they've completely fucked it up. Uh, and he teleports only Daniel and Carter out and Garwin is nowhere to be seen now. And they go, all right, well, it seems like we failed. Um, uh, by the way, yeah, Olaf is still around. I'm so glad I was wrong about not seeing him anymore. Because um, we're back in the cave, and uh, Daniel and Sam come in. Um, and they go, yeah, all right, so we're about ready for plan. Uh, they've already, I don't know what the plan is, but they're they're trying to, like, 
storm the Stargate with the survivors and try to escape, which is what their plan is. And Oya, like, has a like snarky moment with Daniel and says, "Hey, I don't, I'm not seeing any Asgard weapons in your hands right now. How, how, how did that go, by the way?" Um, and Daniel says, "All right, yeah, well, good news, bad news. There's, there's no." There's no weapons or anything, but we did meet the real Thor, and he looks like a funny little guy, so that that's that's the good news. <laughs> um, uh, like, uh, O'Neill is not impressed by this. And then the ghouls resume their attack, and like the, the whole cave starts shaking, so time to go out and fight, I guess. Uh, so they, they go out, and there's a whole squad of Jaffa there, and, and uh, they, they have one of those big artillery laser guns that is, that is pointed at them, <clears throat> and, and one of the Jaffa comes forward and starts yelling at them, and this is the guy I was alluding to earlier, who looks like a LARPer or, like, a guy in cosplay at a convention. Uh, he has a real... <laughs> the, the way he's... his whole... Continents. I. I mean. I don't. I don't know this actor. He's just. He's just a guy. I don't. I, I don't want to be too mean at him. It's, it's just he reminds me of a type of guy that I knew a lot of in college who were way into, uh, you know, LARPing and cosplay and stuff. That's that's what he looks like. Uh, no. No judgment if uh, if if you like LARPing and cosplay. Who doesn't? It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's, he's just. Uh, we mentioned that not all Jaffa are as built as Christopher Judge, and this guy is not. Anyway, uh, he's yelling at them. It's like, hey, uh, surrender, everyone. Uh, you were, you were, we have you surrounded. Like, prepare to worship her, her, your new god or whatever. He's doing this big uh, dramatic proclamations. And he says, if you fight us, everyone will die. Um uh, yeah, and then they uh, the good guys do a little inventory of what what their options are, and they they basically reach a conclusion that they don't have any because they don't have any enough weapons to actually fight these people. And we have that little like Helm's Deep moment where we see all the Sumerian children hiding with their parents in the uh, in the back of them, and they go, "He, if we try to fight them, we'll we'll just get all these people killed. It's going to be a real bad scene." Um, so yeah, they 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 they're pretty much about to surrender. They they O'Neill and Carter throw their weapons up and uh like uh throw their hands up and like surrender basically. Um and just as they like as they're doing that, they start uh getting marched by those Jaffa towards to go see Heru Ur, I guess. And then like we start hearing thunder in the sky which, you know, remember from last time. That's 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 what Kendra like in, uh interpreted as being the word of Thor. Uh and that's turns out that's what it is because Thor has his big old spaceship now and he's coming over to this planet. He got there pretty fast from wherever he was. Uh and it comes out in come it comes out of the clouds right over those three pyramids that are almost uh, done building. Uh, and this is the shot that is straight out of StarCraft right there, because the Thor ship, the Beliskner, looks a lot like a Terran battlecruiser, and those three pyramids down there look a lot like Prodas Nexuses. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, th- this episode came out four months after the launch of StarCraft. Someone like, if if that's not an intentional look... Someone who made this show had to have played StarCraft and noticed this, because it looks exactly like a StarCraft cinematic or whatever. Um, and like, yeah, so Thor's ship just like shoots out a beam of light, seems to teleport or whatever all the Jaffa away. 
and also all three pyramids just get like destroyed, disintegrated, like teleported out. It's not clear. Uh, that ship just does that. And we get an insert shot of Herur on his own. No, no Jaffa entourage with him or anything <clears throat> at the Stargate. Just seeing this and going, oh, fuck this, and walking through the Stargate and leaving. So, yeah. The, 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 like, Thor has just, like, single-handedly with his ship deleted the ghoul presence from this planet entirely. Uh, <laughs> he can just do that, uh, which is pretty impressive. Like, it, it, like, it, puts, it puts into perspective if the ghoul knew, knew what the Asgard could do, if that's why they didn't fuck with this planet, if, if, if that's how much power they have. Um, and yeah, after all this is done, another beam comes out of the ship and teleports uh, Gerwin down to talk to everyone and say, and like she she brings word from Thor. And it's like I guess she was she's been chatting with him up on his spaceship, um, so, uh, just just, ha- just having a talk with him. Uh, he she says, "Hey, Thor says hi," um, <clears throat> and she says, "Or oh, all right." Uh, he, Thor told me a few things. He said he's come to your world a, f- a bunch of times, so I guess this confirms the thing about the aliens that Carter was talking about. Um, so she says, the Asgard are friends to all, protector of all, except the ghoul with whom they are at war, which seems like a real simplification of the relationship between the Asgard and everyone, actually, not just the ghoul, based on what we're gonna know later. Uh, you know, the Asgard have their own shit they're dealing with. Uh, we're gonna learn about in a in a while. Uh, and they're not exactly at war, at actively at war against the ghoul. They're just, you know, they're just like interfering, like protecting uh the Milky Way, some some human planets in the Milky Way galaxy from from ghouls by treaty and by basically intimidation with their superior spaceships. Uh, not not actively at war, just like pr- uh, protectorate, I guess, of like of some worlds they've decided to protect from the ghoul. But it's not even like like a blanket policy. They're not they're not going around saving the galaxy from the ghoul because you know that would make everything too easy on the show. Uh, it's just I guess this one planet is protected by the Asgard, and Thor Are- is there to to, to protect them. Are the Asgard yeah. also the United States in this show then? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But they're like... Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the Asgard are, are really like... They're, I, I wouldn't call them imperialists. They're, they're, they're really hands-off in their approach. They, they don't want like... They, they have a, a kind of prime directive. Like, they don't seem to want to get involved in the affairs of lesser races and whatever. But they do go around and like wave their hands and protect some planets when they feel like it. They they feel like they 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 like to think of themselves as like benevolent protectors, but like don't want to extend themselves too much to be like actually save everyone. They just feel like 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 keeping up the appearance of being really cool, good gods. It's the it's it's weird. And uh, it's like and it's gonna any anyway, it's it's gonna turn out that 
there's a lot of stuff that they're not letting other races know about, about the way they work, that is making everything more complicated. Because, like I said, the Asgard have their own problems that they're dealing with, and they're not always dealing with them very well. So, like, they, they barely have the resources to protect other people, and Thor is one of the few that actually cares about humans, but he's just one guy, so... Uh, anyway, I, yeah, it's it's what's gonna come out as you over the course of the show as mm-hmm. a kind of overarching theme. Mm-hmm. Every all of the pre-existing species, all of the pre-existing advanced species out there, they all suck. Yeah, so much in a, in a different way. I mean, yeah, and like they all, they all suck in individual ways. but yes. they all suck. Yeah, the furlings suck by their complete absence for for the most part. But besides that, yeah, and and the Asgard are the ones that will get by far the most screen time and the and the <laughs> most uh, food for thought for food for thought about how they work out of all of them. I mean, if, um, if we actually did see the furlings on you know nineties TV budget, <laughs> it would be some kind of furbus nightmare. So yes. it's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's uh yeah, Gerwood says uh, the so Thor has said that they they're gonna leave an Asgard teacher behind on this planet to like um, to to teach the people of Samaria like to to become like an ambassador and like open relations with them. Uh, it's th- like w- yeah, th- thanks for blow- thanks for blowing the prime directive here. Now we gotta fix your now we gotta fix shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, like, and they're gonna put a new Thor's hammer in there with, with Teal'c specifically on the whitelist, which seems to me like, hey, how about, you know, how, what about Braytac or any other, like, Rebel Jaffa or any Tok'ra or whatever? It's not like everyone who has a gold larva is a bad guy. Maybe, like, maybe more exceptions than just Teal'c? Uh, well, I mean, but they don't, they don't know any Tok'ra yet. And yeah. You know- and as far as I know, Braytac is the only rebel Jaffa again, because everyone else died. <laughs> yeah, his his rebellion of two other guys, they both died last time we saw him. Um, yeah, but also we're never going to see this planet again anyway, uh, which is kind of a shame, because I'd really want to know what it looks like for this agrarian society to have an Asgard embassy and like uh, uh, an alien guest that teaches them about advanced alien technology at the same time. It's it's a real weird, interesting thing that like if there's not an EU novel about this, I'm sure there is. There's an EU novel about also considering how annoyed the Asgard get at at, at the S- SQ one over the course of the se- yeah. series. points of the series. Honestly, but- just how bad this guy gets at Vikings. <laughs> yeah, about Olaf being like, oh, brave, whatever, throwing axes, being a valiant warrior. Yeah. And the Asgard are like, always super rational and calm and everything. And like, their biggest problem is that they can't think small enough to deal with petty problems on a human scale because everything to them is a big, large scale problem that's this dealt with with galactic scale solutions and everything which is like an interesting aspect of them um so one of anyway my my constant thought this episode was uh this world is full of vikings that were taken from earth presumably and brought to another world Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. so just cultural stagnation has occurred for the last uh what 500 600 years (laughs) Yeah, that's well. That's 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 every 
that's every planet with like fantastical uh, inertia, uh, like the the same way like Middle Earth has has been medieval for a thousand years. It's it, that's always how it is, and it's it's really kind of weird because this was explicitly a protected planet that had no gold interference. They should have developed into you know whatever a modern equivalent of not necessarily an industrial equivalent because it's like it's not. It's not a law of the universe that industry will develop, develop on a planet, but, you know, uh, something more yeah, I mean, than axes and swords. Li- it did get a, a little bit of lip service in Thor's, in Thor's hammer about how their culture has drifted from, yeah. from, from the appropriate period the, of Vikings. But... They're traders instead of being warriors anymore, and they, they go to the city to get to work and whatever. Nobody told Olaf that, but... yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Olaf is just like a, a traditionalist, a hardline, a hardline axe fan. He's just he's just an he, he's the equivalent of a gun nut, but he's an axe nut. That's what that's what he is. He's just a survivalist. Like uh, he 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 was the one who lived in that cave before everyone else got there, probably because uh, because everyone else lives in a city that we that is just always off screen and we never see it. Yeah, because like yeah, Gerwin said the first time we saw her that her husband took a boat to the city to get work and everything. Her husband, who's now dead, uh, so there's like there's just this off-screen civilization on that planet we don't have to worry about. Uh, yeah, this, this show that. doesn't have the budget to really materialize what I would like to see, which is no. a functioning modern society but built on Viking uh, aesthetics. Yeah, uh, and and only Viking aesthetics. Which right. I guess would just be like Norwegian Klingons. <laughs> it would be like the video game Too Human is what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, and like as as we go forward in the series and they start going meeting more industrial societies and post-industrial we're gonna see them more but usually they do the star trek thing where they just shoot in the city of vancouver and say look at this alien planet that is has reached the industrial age and has cities just like us and that's what it is and like sets of labs and stuff that just looks like earth Um, we have established uh every episode is filmed on 200 loonies Yes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Slightly increasing season to season. Like, you can tell that the show looks a little better now than it did last year, but it's it's very slight increases. Um, Yeah, no, they definitely would not have had money to do a Star... To do a StarCraft cutscene in just a middle, a middle of the season episode. Right. Season yes. One. It's it's short, but it looks good for what it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, you see it here and there, and they're gonna make up uh, with other episodes, such as next week's Message in a Bottle, which is a bottle episode, as is alluded to in the in the title. It takes place entirely on base in the SGC uh, and has almost no guest cast to speak of. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Uh, we're we're gonna get there next week. Uh, for now, uh, it's, uh, we have a few questions, such as this one that was asked on the Audio Entropy Discord, which you can join with a link in the show description. Uh, Lambda asks, "How do you feel about the design of the Asgard? Do you think it was a good idea to have them inspired by Grays of Urban Legend?" Um, I think it's not. I I mean, it's it's hard to like tell my feelings apart between like being like objective and just being someone who's known Stargate for 20 years and just knows that's 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 how it is and is used to it. Uh, I think it's cool that we've seen 
basically human aliens until this point, and now here come the puppets that are specifically that that they use these this type of alien to represent the Norse gods and the hologram was a big guy with a beard and an armor and it's it turns out to be this little guy it's a nice reversal of expectations i guess yeah so, and like the, the the asgard puppets are just generally pretty good puppets they yeah. were originally made for the airing at the same time outer limits series. yes right uh, which they re- reused that and it's nice and they, they they eventually ended up making like a few like different iterations of the asgard puppet it's gonna look a little better like i know uh, off the top of my head there's like this so there, this is the first model of the puppet it basically can't do anything it's, it can just stand yeah, there and move it its head barely move. Like, um like i said it's made for outer limits it basically the puppet was basically designed to be your ominous alien abduction puppet. Yes. They're trying to do more character out of that. So yep, Exactly. Uh, there's going to be a, a, like... Oh, you can yeah. finish. Yeah, there's, got, there's going to be a different model that's like sitting in a pod that they can move around in, in later, like a little bit like Baby Yoda, uh, like Grogu, uh, <clears throat> in later seasons. And they, they're going to have them walking around with CG a bunch of times too. Uh, there's, there's, there's also going to be like a Mark II standing Asgard puppet that uh, is, I think, only shot from from the waist up, but can move its limbs. So, you know, you can have it like typing on a on a dashboard and stuff like that. So, like, they, and like every one of them looks a little bit different in the face, and you can kind of tell that it they change a little bit as as you as we go forward. It, it's kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, like, I, I was I was really into pu- puppetry in high school, and like the Mark II standing. Standing Asgard puppet is really is actually a really good piece of yes. piece of work. It 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 uses some. It's actually a partially a marionette, mm-hmm. and like it it's it's like next level version of like your Thunderbird puppets. Which yes, actually that I saying that out loud, it makes a joke. But later in the series, <laughs> make a lot more sense. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Um, I also like yeah when we when we get like close ups of them and we see I like how the like you can tell the texture of it when you see it like lit up and and stuff it looks uh, always looks like a little damp like some like a creature's skin of some kind it looks like it's cold to the touch but like it looks alive in a way that is interesting you know it it doesn't look like it, when because sometimes some episodes you're looking at Thor talking for a long ass time on camera and like his mouth is pretty well art- articulated that it doesn't just like flap it it kind of like his lips move a little bit to to make it look like he's articulating um and like you're staring at him it it looks like a living creature the way he blinks and is like just just slightly damp without being goopy like it, it's just anyway it's a really well made thing it's like it's like you know it's not farscape because it's not a jim henson puppet so it doesn't maybe doesn't quite look up on that level but i do enjoy it uh for for what it is there is the one problem though with the asgard that probably should mention mm-hmm. that so you know your white Viking Viking gods are these benev- are these benevolent gray grays, mm-hmm. and every other god of every other culture are the <laughs> are the aggressive sin are the yes. aggressive parasites. Hey, yeah. <laughs> the, the ghouls are like yeah. 
Right, that's that's absolutely an issue because they abs- they really singled out the Norse gods, and every other culture is just they 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 have Egyptian gold, Greek gold. There's a Chinese one. There's some Japanese it, ones. There's an African one, gold. Um, it'd be yeah. one thing if they did just keep it to Egypt. That would still not be great. Mm-hmm. But when it's everything else, yep. that's that, yeah. that that's a bit uh, too much. Yeah, we have Hindu with near tea. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, it's all uh, of them. To answer your question, uh, I think the Asgard are fine. No, actually, that's a different. That's a different. Yeah, G- Jesus is Jesus uh, nine and ten. They're, he's a bad guy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine with the design of the Asgard. Uh, my only wish, I guess, would be that uh, I wish they were like the proto aliens of all the aliens that visited Earth, because it does feel weird for that mm-hmm. one aliens to to point at. At Finland, Norway, and be like, there, mm-hmm. we're only going to materialize there. Except we know they have because <laughs> they show up in Roswell and yeah. like people across the planet right. have, you know, claimed to have been abducted. So uh, it would be yeah. better if, like, Actually, that was. I the, think, thinking about that. It'd be better if that. Sorry, thinking about that in UFOlogy, uh, there are specifically aliens that basically do just look like Nordic people, and it's kind of funny that the Asgard aren't them. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's yeah. better if the All Asgard right. were the predominant uh, alien that visited Earth. Like, if you've seen yes. an alien, it's them, and they really just love coming to Earth. Yeah, but, the, I mean, the, 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 the magic trick is that the predominant alien is the gold, and these just look like humans, and so that, that's how they blend in. You, can't, you don't even know you're looking at an alien when you see a gold, so, you know, except if you hear them talk or see their eyes glowing. Uh, but, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting choice that, like, has a lot of implications about, you know, the state of lore and alien races. And, yes, the, the problem that the Norse gods are good and every other god is bad is a problem that is only sort of made up for by how it later turns out that space Christians are also evil. But, yeah, whatever. Um, so that's it for questions. Uh, yeah, that's, that was from the Discord. You can also check out our Twitter at uh, at Jaffa Takes. Uh, we post a tweet asking for questions. You can ask for questions there. Uh, you can also send us an email to jeffatakespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we got a nice email for once uh, this week, but it wasn't a question, so I'm not going to read it on here. And it's a spoiler for later in the series, but I did respond to it, and I do appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and my personal Twitter is at the real Simben, uh, so you can follow me there for all of that. As long as there's still a Twitter, who knows uh, if or when uh, we'll migrate to Blue Sky or whatever ends up replacing Twitter. Um, all right, so time for sign-offs now before I lose my voice. Eric, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Rules. That's D-A-M-O-O-N-R-U-L-Z. Thank you. M, any, anything you want to say to the, our listeners? Uh, no, you can find me on Twitter for now anyways at M of, M of Healy, and that's it. Thank you. Uh, Jimmy Dean, any TV shows you want to recommend? Uh, I'm currently in the second season of Beverly Hills 90210. Hell of a show. <laughs> nice. Yes, that is a show right there. Uh, uh, if you want to. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. great. Uh, every week, uh, 27 year old teenagers learn a moral lesson. 
good wholesome content right there. Yes. Uh, 90s TV. They, they don't make it like that anymore. Uh, they, they don't have enough faded denim to make it like that anymore. Uh, <laughs> but that's great. Uh, and then I'm like three-fourths the way through Heir to the Empire. I'm trying to go through those books for the first time. So I also oh, nice. recommend those, I guess. Old EU stuff. Nice. Yeah, right in time for uh, Thrawn to show up and the live-action Star Wars shows. You're, you're catching up on his pre- previous appearances right there. Correct. That's nice. Um, all right, keep, uh, keep watching Stargate, everyone. Join us next week for Message in a Bottle on Kree. <laughs>